Hello, and welcome to Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. We work with those organizations to break through revenue ceilings and realize the business growth that their companies are capable of when they get their people firing on all cylinders. We believe that every business person has a unique voice and a unique angle that makes their business successful. And those are the kinds of movers and shakers that we interview on the show. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest in about 30 minutes. So let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. I'm so happy to have Courtney Lukic on the show today. Uh, Courtney and I have had a, a wonderful chat leading in. And Courtney, welcome to the show. Tell the get or excuse me, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. I'm the founder of Gotham Public Relations or Gotham PR in New York City. We also have offices in London and newly in Florida. We've expanded our operations over 20 years and the last 20 months. And we're here to sort of wrap about what's going on in the change management space nationally and internationally. So when you and I were speaking pre-show, one of the things that intrigued me was the niche that you're in. And you specifically mentioned that people have a certain view of PR and what that is, but you guys are transforming that. So, so tell me a little bit about how PR is different at Gotham. I think disciplines now are merging into one another out of necessity. We're living in a very multidisciplinary era where you mm-hmm. look at branding and marketing and PR and strategy, planning, business development, really as a 360 service offering. And that's the approach we've taken for many years. And I think a majority of firms don't necessarily take on that full set of deliverables or capabilities, or they aren't able to execute against it. So we've come, you know, by proxy to be known for an ability to reposition legacy firms, to launch startups, to create new categories where they don't exist in market. And really to be a right-hand um, business driver for our clients, sort of a, a silent partner, if you will, as I like to say, sure. the, uh, the, the secret behind the camera or the, um, you know, uh, if you will, the, the, the team that knows everything to help drive, you know, success against competition. Absolutely. Now, now you have a, a pretty interesting focus in that many of your clients fall into that uh, real estate, engineering, architecture space. And you mentioned to me that they are all leaders in market. What do you think is the difference between the work you're able to do with someone who's leading in the market versus maybe someone who's breaking into the market or who is a startup? That's a great question because they're equally advantageous, which sounds like an oxymoron. However, um, in the media world, uh, there's always a desire to support startups, right? So for talent that is emerging or just building their first projects or newly installing, 
um, whatever it is they're creating, you know, let's say a, a home or an office, uh, there's going to be support there. And I think sometimes the larger entities or the bigger, more monolithic firms struggle to get the same kind of attention. So, you know, we work to create parity. We never take on clients that compete uh, directly against one another. And in fact, we promote co-opetition where sometimes we will partner clients because there is a, you know, complementarity and they end up doing um, campaigns or, you know, contracts or big projects together, which is always rewarding, right? Because we want to see people get along and not necessarily make it this cutthroat environment. Although, as you know, New York is probably one of the, if not the most competitive place in the world. Definitely, I would say... 85% of the national A&D or architecture and design industry is based in New York. So it's, it's quite competitive. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I love the concept of uh, co-opetition, you know, there, there's, um, you have probably found it in, and I think you mentioned you're in business about 20 years as well. Yep. Um, you have probably done work with some competitors, I would imagine over that, that period of time. Um, if you're, if you're like me, um, there are, there are other HR folks, uh, that have certain specific skill sets that I don't have, and I'm more than happy to to bring them in and, and make my clients satisfied. So I think it's pretty cool that you foster that in your clients as well, that uh, that theory of abundance, if you will. 100%. Uh, my mantra really since the, over the past 20 months has been surround yourself with experts. So if there's something I can't do as a consultant, I bring in someone in my network who can, and that can be legal counsel, um, sort of scaling counsel for uh, firms that are looking to hire. I mean, as you probably know, talent is probably the, you've got the right name for your show, the biggest issue right now, because I can't tell you how many of my clients, I would say probably 95% of them are looking for great hires. And while so much talent exists in the market, you know, everyone's looking for that unicorn, right? So uh, cultivating that in tandem with um, bringing in, you know, forensic accounting and looking at contracts and as we discussed using AI or artificial intelligence to unlock hidden profits or wasted hours. You know, I think a lot of firms um, in the creative realm particularly don't necessarily have the business chops. So bringing in uh, that level of talent to help them uh, structure their businesses so that they can go off and focus on what they are expert at while partnering with other um, entities that can help them grow, you know, where I think we're in a really heavy growth spurt. So. That's that's what's exciting. And I, I think that um, that collaborative stance also just uh, lends a sense of support that I think is needed right now. Everybody in my industry has been deemed essential. So no one ever took time off. And that's, right. you know, myself and, and my team included. So you, you definitely do have to create that peer to peer support network. Um, just, I think, to, <laughs> to keep going at the rate we're going, which, as we all know, is quite accelerated, at least, again, in our industry. Yeah, I agree. Um, you mentioned that everyone's looking for talent today. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're engineering, architecture, hospitality, manufacturing, everybody wants talent. Everybody needs talent. And what, where I'd like to go next is, how are your clients being successful? What is differentiating them that's helping them to pull talent to them? Are you seeing any themes there? Uh, yes. And I mean, it, it, it follows along the credo that I've always exercised, which is to be very selective with your client roster, right? So if you're just taking on business to take on business, that's one aspect, right? But I think, uh, again, when you're working with highly performing firms and very 
um, discrete and differentiated uh, talent, they know with whom to associate themselves. And, you know, again, I was doing a troubleshoot last night at eight o'clock with a client who's doing a big project for a very demanding, um, let's just say construction client. And, you know, the first pass or the first iteration was not a huge uh, success. So, you know, there were some uh, tears before bedtime as I always call it <laughs> in the PR world and just giving the counsel to pump the brakes go through a next iteration, try to have an open dialogue. I mean, nothing's going to be perfect on the first pass. I mean, it's very rare in my experience. There, there are, it does happen occasionally. Uh, but going back to the issue of talent, yeah, I think it's just being highly selective um, with, the, uh, with the projects and clients you take on. And then it lends to a specialization, right? There's a, there's a generalist way of doing things and then there's a multidisciplinary um, expert way of approaching things. And again, the caliber that we're working with is so high echelon that, you know, <laughs> there's it's technically no room for error, right? So it's a, it's a question of uh, less is more to use some architectural language, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you, you mentioned something that, that I find interesting and that's that many of your clients are very selective in their client and the projects that they take on. And, and one of the things that we're seeing in industry today, or I should say in, in the recruiting industry, is that the firms that are having success drawing talent to them are creating a unique experience for their employees. That's right. And so when you go to market and say, hey, come to work with us because we work with the best of the best. Not only will you be working amongst coworkers who are the best of the best, our clients are the best of the best. Right. And when you can tell that story, I mean, wow, all of a sudden, I may not be looking. I'm saying, well, I want to work with the best of the best. You know, I want to go check these guys out. And it's, it's something I know that, that the clients that I work with, I talk to them routinely about what message are you sending out there? What's the differentiator? You can't just post and hope anymore. It, do, it doesn't work. And so that, that recruiting message is so key. So when, when your clients are onboarding this new town and they're, they're creating this new message. Tell me something unique you're seeing in your space about how they're acclimating talent to what they do and keeping them fired up and engaged and, you know, breathing the, the vision and mission. Well, as we chatted about before hopping on this podcast, um, everyone's looking for a unicorn, right? So they want that business development person who has a specialized network, somebody who magically understands all the zoning, the coding, all the tech, you know, the technical aspects of um, design or starting a project from zero, and also somebody who has a capability to manage. And as we all know, even at the 10-year mark, that's really expecting quite a lot, right? Um, that's not to say that you wouldn't have candidates maybe in the form of two or three people that could possess all of that, but it, it takes it takes at least 10 or 15 years to hone that skill set and to create that value network, right, to be able to leverage on behalf of a business. So to answer your question, I think to motivate them, they want someone who's entrepreneurial, somebody who mm -hmm. can work in big and small environments, who can work client side and go in and inspire confidence, uh, typically what I'm seeing with some of the smaller firms is they have a really strong uh, 
um, principal or leader or two, and then they have a lot of acolytes beneath them. And mostly people who want to work in a studio or an office and they don't necessarily want to interface with the client, right? Because the stakes are so high. Everyone's terrified yeah. of making a mistake. <laughs> so um, I think finding that candidate, right, and educating them, giving them the confidence, empowering them enough to um, feel confident enough to go to that next level. I mean, I've certainly done that within my agency, and I actually push people out of the nest and say, go work at this next place so that you can elevate your skill set in these other areas. And that's very unusual. I mean, obviously, I have people who stayed with me for a long time, or sometimes people go and they come back. So um, there's a sense of having that strong uh, person that's going to not only champion you, but also push you to go to the next level, right? So um, I think what we're seeing, particularly in New York, with all of the, you know, virus challenges, it's like, well, they won't, they can they come into the office, or can't they come into the office, there's a lot of this management by zoom and also um, entrusting people to do the work and I think what we're seeing is that the productivity has actually escalated. I mean, I can say that on behalf of my clients, I know I'm working um, probably even 20% more, and I was already working a lot to begin with. So um, out of necessity, you know, we're kind of operating on a 24-7 schedule. I mean, we do take the weekends off, but over the holidays, it was still quite busy. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I... <laughs> I did. Um, so pre-call, we were talking a little bit about succession planning Yeah. and how that so critical. And, and I want to share a story with you and get your thoughts on it. And then I want to hear a, a story from you. So I was working a, a couple of years ago with a small advertising agency and, um, you know, 20 people, a uh, nice little regional firm here in central Pennsylvania, um, had one or two really big clients right. uh, and then a small client. So very much one of those environments that had to keep those one or two biggies or, or they were in trouble. Right. And uh, the principal had, had grown the business over the years, and, and he's ready to, to begin stepping back. Mm -hmm. The challenge was finding his successor. So none of his existing staff wanted to step into the, the presidential role, and he wanted to go to the outside, which is, is I think, an even bigger challenge when you're going to try and find someone who's going to acclimate into the, the culture and take over your firm and buy you out. I mean, you talk about looking for that unicorn, right? So a couple, you know, fast forward a couple years later, he's still in the same spot. Right. He has not moved forward. And, you know, here's a gentleman who I believe, unless he sells out to a larger firm, is probably um, either going to work five to seven years beyond past what he really wanted to, um, or worse yet, he's just going to have to say, well, I couldn't find anything. I'm going to shut her up and just be done. What do you do for your clients? And maybe hopefully you've not had a client that's been that um, maybe stubborn in terms of their, their view of what they're looking for and, and needs. Um, and I'll comment more on some of his challenges, but what would your recommendation be to one of your client owners who's at that stage where they're saying, you know, it's time for me to start looking for a successor? It's a great question. And it's something I encountered, especially last year, as I mentioned, everybody was uh, working triple speed. And they have, you know, most of my clients have been in the industry for, you know, I would at least guess, you know, on average, three decades into, you know, their professional career. So they've seen a lot of cycles, they certainly never saw what we've been encountering the past couple of years. But I keep telling them that they need to hire talent internally or cultivate their talent to do 
for them what we're doing externally, right? So everybody wants us to come in house and ramp up and accelerate and proliferate these contacts. But once you have those contacts, then you have to respond to all the Zoom call requests and the requests for proposals. And you have to have a team that in-house, right, is prepared to do the marketing, um, respond to the PR. Obviously, we're the door openers, but they've got to close, right? So I always say that to my mm-hmm. clients, I'll open many, many doors, but you're going to have to close, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means submitting, you know, sometimes very detailed proposals and taking that many more meetings and you know, one great press feature begets 10 others. That's just the way it works now. If you get in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you're going to be hearing from 10 or 15 others. So yeah, I think in his scenario, maybe not bringing somebody up in the ranks was a problem or the fact that he was such a strong leader that they felt intimidated to step into his shoes. There's oftentimes that the fiscal responsibilities notwithstanding. So yeah, going in and creating a structure where you have um, partners or principals or at least director level, you know, senior project manager level uh, talent that's invested in the business, right? Um, If it's points, if it's shares, if it's profit sharing, if it's bonuses, something that would allow them to even consider investing, right? Um, Or taking the steps, as you say, to merge into another entity. And we're gonna see a lot of that activity. It's already happening. Uh, It's not unusual in the agency world. There are really uh, a number of great firms that try to buy and sell agencies. So I'm guessing you explored that avenue with him as well. And just doing the due diligence to be prepared to sell if that's if that's going to happen. It's, it's I think, challenging when you have a team of 20 people, as you said, who has worked there tried and true, and then they their future becomes uncertain because the leadership hasn't taken the steps to create that succession planning. I mean, we've worked with really um, major firms of you know probably 50, 60 years standing. Fortunately, they did have succession plans in place when CEOs died or chairpersons retired or decided to move into other arenas. And I think the success of any legacy firm resides in having that plan right in place and creating that excitement for let's face it ambitious people who want to rise in the ranks it's not for everyone but one would think that if you put in a number of years at a firm that you would want to rise mm-hmm. into leadership now, the, yeah so so i'll continue the story and get your thoughts so he uh, he found a young man that <clears throat> he thought you know he would hire in from the outside seemed to be a go-getter, asked me to sit in on the inter- you know, on, on one of the interviews. And I was happy to do that. So um, I get to the office that day, I meet this gentleman, and, and the owner gets up and leaves. He goes, I'm going to let you two chat. So chat, just trying to chat and get to, get to know this guy. And this gentleman, this told me everything I needed to know. He looks at me and says, who are you and why am I wasting my time with you? Oh, boy. And, and I, I kind of sat back in my chair and I said, well, um, I, I'm, I'm an advisor to the, to the firm. I advise on, on various HR issues and um, I'm, I'm here to help you know, the owner come up with a, a transition plan. And he asked me to sit and chat with you. And he says, well, what qualifies you to do this? <laughs> I just met you. Wow. So I, you know, after, after that, that interesting 30 minutes, Went back to the owner and said, you can't hire this guy. This guy is a loose cannon. I, I give you two tries to guess what he did. 
I don't want to date. Yes, really. Well, he's so, he so so arrogant, though. So it seems as though he would have alienated a lot of people from the start. And that's exactly what happened. And and actually, worse. So this guy lasted about nine months before the owner called me in and 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 we terminated him. Not only did he alienate much of the staff, right? But he went out to one of those those big clients, and during a tour of the uh, facility, it was an, an animal meat processing facility, and so that's kind of gruesome to be perfectly honest. And he was making comments about how gruesome it was, and I'm never going to eat this kind of food again. And then started hitting on one of the key executives at the firm. <laughs> I mean, this guy was a wrecking ball. And you know, for for our listeners, I, I guess that the reason that that I wanted to share this and get your thoughts, Courtney, is the danger in making a wrong hire and in trying to push that i've seen it in many different agency environments where i worked and i've certainly seen it client side it you know like the adage says it only takes one rotten apple right and then it has a, a ripple effect and i think there is a tendency sometimes to go for in the example of the ceo to make such a radical departure and make such a controversial decision thinking that it will somehow act as a catalyst but it also in his case sounds like it was a bit of sabotage for the firm whether it was subconscious yeah. I mean obviously not intentionally but um, again I think there was an era and I don't know the time and market when this decision was made but there was a, a swing in the industry where it was like let's hire a 30 year old and let them shake things up you know in that era of you know, when Zuckerberg before he shot himself in the foot several times. So it could have been a, a byproduct of that kind of thinking, like somehow they magically know something that um, other people who are experienced uh, do not, which, you know, we've learned that there's a backlash to the backlash at this point. So yeah, what, what we're seeing is a trend towards um, looking for highly seasoned experienced people who know how to run multiple businesses and launch and manage um, the 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 challenge arises in making sure that we're training the younger teams and staff to be able to rise into that skill set quickly because it's necessary it's really important that's that's what's paramount so when people say you know send me these great candidates certainly i will but you better make sure that you train them as to your expectations if you're going to hand them this heavy load of responsibilities because no one likes to step into something and not be equipped to handle it. And I saw that last year where some of my clients were capitulating to just out of necessity, hire somebody, you know, because they needed it. They needed to bill against the hours and they needed work done. And sometimes they hired people that were too junior to handle it. And then it's just like you said, a revolving door. Um, maybe nine months, maybe six months, maybe three months, right? So it didn't really accomplish anything. We all, we all of course, know the expense of that, you know, yes. and, and what to bring someone in and lost opportunity and, and all of those other things. Um, and, and so I challenge my clients, and, and maybe you do the same, to say, okay, look, how much does it really cost you to have that seat empty per day in order to find the right person? versus putting a warm body in that seat that's subpar and what's that going to cost you right. in the long run 
And I really challenge them to come up with that, those, those hard numbers for me, because usually when they do, it's the, oh my, you know, I never really thought about it this way. It stinks that we're short, but we can't afford to make a bad decision here. Right. And then the flip side of that is teams that are growing so quickly in firms and companies that I'm working with where they want to say, for example, leave their current New York office environment and expand into another one. As you know, moving is very expensive. And um, the sort of attrition involved with that uh, and also just starting up, designing whatever it is you have to retrofit in the space. So I think that's also why we're seeing the proliferation of so many co-working flex spaces that have different kind of uh, offerings and configurations that allow for that, as you say, that contraction, expansion, it, uh, we're, we're going to see it obviously in, in the coming year, we're going to see either companies ramp up really quickly. I mean, I, I just saw an advert for one of my clients. I think they're hiring 50 people. And then I saw a firm that I worked with two years ago, they just hired 60 people. So yeah, it's a really, it's a, they're saying there'll be more innovation and faster change in this year, in the coming 10 years than we've ever seen historically. So everyone needs to necessarily buckle up and have some kind of game plan to accommodate that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it it really is amazing when you know you and I. The, the more we talk, the more a word keeps coming to me, and that's training and the investment in people. And I was doing some reading yesterday and came across a, a study out of the University of Penn that um, they looked. I think it was thirty two hundred firms, and they found that these firms, when they invested. 10 extra percent in capital expenditures, they got a 3.9% increase in productivity. But when they increased their training budget by 10%, they got an 8.3% increase in productivity. Right. And yet, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, that when uh, times get tough or, or we're lean or whatever, one of the first things we cut is our training budget. And, and I've never understood that. It's like, just when you need your people at your best, you take one of the resources from them that helps them be at their best. Right. Well, I think that's where on the agency side, we come in to supplement teams. I mean, people always want us to come in-house, but fundamentally learning how to ask the right questions, how to map and forecast and help companies plan often saves them the expense, as you say, of having to train somebody to necessarily know how to possess that skill set. Many don't. They will for perhaps a given uh, project, but not necessarily in organizational management, right? So um, part of that is is the, the training that we um, offer them in a sense. It's almost like we're training them so that they can train their teams. And what I love is when clients start then um, reiterating back to me some some counsel that I gave them maybe six months ago, nine months ago, 12 months ago. And I'm like, yes, it's sunk in. Finally, I did my job because they're repeating it back to me as if I'm hearing it for the first time. So I always get a kick out of that. Um, and that's great. That's very rewarding, not least of which, you know, seeing them succeed in the press and and earn new business and, and so forth. But yeah, the, the training component, oftentimes, you know, people will just unload a Dropbox on us and then say, okay, go, you know, and it's like, it doesn't work that way. There's a process involved. We have to be trained on your business. We're not automatically hundred percent experts as to everything that, you know, is going on. So there is that acclimation. And then I think they start to realize that through working with us, that they can likewise 
then start weaving in new team members and new entities along this kind of new paradigm, new set of skills that they have to work with, right? Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's a great segue. Thank you. Because my, my next question is, it was going to be as we're, we're winding down here, um, tell our listeners the kind of clients that you're looking for. And maybe there's a potential client for you out there. So how can they get in touch with you? And, and how do they know that you might be a good fit for them? Oh, well, thank you. First and foremost, um, I think LinkedIn is a great conduit. Uh, it's a tremendous professional repository and we even client side are taking a lot of uh, webinars and uh, facilitating different um, outreach programs via LinkedIn because I think it's kind of the one truly credible uh, platform that everybody agrees is valuable. So people can find me there, Courtney Lukic, Gotham PR, um, our website, which is GothamPR.com. That's very easy. I'm quite frankly, interested in innovation of all kinds. I'm actually helping to produce a new TV series called Innovation by Design. It's Design TV, broadcast on CBS. So any candidate who thinks the merits are there in a, in a major market, right now we're focused on uh, Florida. We're filming in New York right now. We've done LA, San Francisco, Austin, uh, London, more recently, uh, and Copenhagen. So Anyone out there, you know, working in emerging tech or the belt environment, as we like to call it. So that's anyone in those realms that we've been discussing. Um, certainly always open that if, if I can't help you in some way that um, I can direct you to somebody who can. Yeah. And you mentioned also you've got a book coming out. Tell us about that. Yes, it's called Creating Significance, How to Design Your Life's Work and a Lasting Brand. So that is a nice uh, sort of umbrella a title for everything we've been talking about. And it examines case studies of uh, clients, you know, companies that we've launched and where they were and where they are today and great success stories, a lot of young entrepreneurs and a lot of, you know, again, legacy firms that have repositioned, um, people building entire, you know, designing entire cities around the world to people who design, um, you know, retail emporia to, um, designers of all kinds, creative talent, really, and, and technology companies. So um, yeah, take a read. It'll come out in the third quarter of this year, and I'll okay. be promoting it, obviously, on LinkedIn. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, will it be available on Amazon, your website? Where can listeners no, find that it's, one? Uh, Simon Schuster through Worth Media, Worth, W-O-R-T-H, Media. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for your time. You and I could probably continue to chat for another half hour or so. And I know that the, the listeners today uh, really found some of your insights valuable. Uh, I, I know that it's always fun to have a chat with a kindred spirit such as yourself who believes in the power of talent, the power of developing people in order to grow organizations. Um, I, I think we can agree that it's the only real way to grow an organization is, is to develop its talent. And so I want to thank you for your time today. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again. Stay tuned for another episode coming up real soon of Transforming Talent. Enjoy your day. Hey, Ed Crow here. Thank you so much for listening to today's segment of Transforming Talent. If you're a business owner or executive of a business that's on a revenue freight train that you're not sure how to control, or maybe you're butting up against a revenue ceiling that you don't know how to break through, we'd love to have you on this program. Please visit my website at edcrow.com 
slash speaking slash podcast to apply. Now, for our listeners out there, if you got something out of this interview and you'd love to share it on social media, please go ahead and do so. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, and post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Transforming Talent. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to my website, edcrow.com, where you can follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.